Welcome to Self-Published Success, a show catered specifically to the innovators and entrepreneurs who sought creative control over their titles, chose self-publishing over traditional, and found overwhelming success in the process. In this show, we will introduce these risk takers and ask them a variety of questions. Why did you choose self-publishing? What were your results? And most importantly, what are some secrets to success? Self-published success is designed to get your creative juices flowing, to get you energized and excited for the road to authorship ahead. So sit back, grab your trusted pen and notepad, and get ready to gain tips that will help you along your own self-publishing journey. All right, everyone, welcome to the show. My name is John Feldman. I am the founder and CEO of Visionary Literary and your host for today's show on self-published success. We highlight forward thinkers who choose self-publishing and find success in doing so. Our guest today is Joe Templin. He is a human Swiss army knife, ultra runner, special needs parent, former international Taekwondo champion, advisor today's four under 40 winner. Uh, He is the author of Everyday Excellence, a polymath addicted to challenge. He shows how an average Joe can become exceptional by consistently choosing to do the hard things. Joe, welcome to the show. John, thank you. Hopefully we don't lose power during today. Yes, well, if we do, we can um, we can figure things out. But last week was a wash, but that is okay because we are back. We have power, we have clarity, and we're looking forward to hearing more about your story and your self-published success. Good. So, Joe, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, um, who you are, and what made you decide that you want to write a book. So, I say the human Swiss Army knife because I've got an incredibly eclectic background. Um, So my mom was a nun, college educator, dad army, then went into consulting. Grew up in a small rural community. We did not get a traffic light until after I was out of grad school. Wow. One of six kids, grew up on a farm. Uh, When I was eight years old, I told my mom I wanted to learn everything there is to learn and she told me to get to work. At 10, I died from asthma. Obviously I got better. Uh, started college at 13 because my parents said 12 was too young. Uh, around that time, I also started Taekwondo, um, ended up getting a physics degree, working for the Department of Defense, designing really cool systems. We lost the family farm due to a tragedy. Uh, so I drifted over into financial planning. I picked up my black belt, started competing heavily, won an international championship, which is part of my fascination with uh, performance psychology, drifted into sales, uh, built a business there, which is where I started really studying uh, sales psychology, how the human mind works, and ultimately uh, neurolinguistic programming and behavioral finance. And the first book that I wrote years and years ago was an outgrowth of my seminars that I did called Financial Mistakes of New College Grads because okay. people coming off the college campus, you, you come on out with $100,000 in debt and no clue what to do with it. Right. I, mean, I had gone to business school and yeah, I could analyze a stock to pick it, but I couldn't tell you what disability insurance meant. Couldn't tell you the most basic thing about budgeting because they don't teach you. So right. my first book that I wrote years and years ago, or actually I think it was my third because I wrote a couple of textbooks along the way, um, was meant to help fill that need 
because this was a gap in the knowledge and nobody was teaching it. So I actually started college studying communication because I was hyper advanced on in my math and science. So I went and was doing the thing that I was actually weakest at, uh, which is something that I tend to do is I focus on my weaknesses and then turn them into strengths. And so I focused in that area. So writing has been part of who I am forever. And as Dr. Jordan Peterson says, writing is the best way to clarify your thinking mm. and be able to increase your communications capability. Yeah. So I started in that space, but with this very eclectic background and pushing myself, whether it was running and ultimately ultra running, music, um, all uh, Taekwondo, all these different areas, it basically turned my mind into a super saturated solution. So I have this incredibly vast and deep and in some ways trivial knowledge base. So I'm a lot of fun, you know, when we go to the pub and they have trivia night, but it ultimately is for one purpose, which is to help other people. And so a year and a half ago, I was thrown around the kettlebell in the basement listening to uh, Jocko Willinkins and Black Sabbath and Jocko made an offhanded comment about uh, habits. I'm like, excellence is a habit. Habits need to be practiced every single day. Oh my God, everyday excellence. Put down the kettlebell, came on up and brain dumped out the idea for the book and the structure of it, which is a little unique in the marketplace. Robert Greene's newest book actually uh, adopted the same uh, style that I have, where it's a quote from somebody, is discussion and analysis. And then there is, for him, a summation. For me, it's an action item, though, because mm -hmm. if we want to avoid becoming pen and ink philosophers, we actually want to make change in our life, as Leo Biscaglia says, we need to actually do something. So every day has an action item, whether it's as little as smiling at five people today, or mm -hmm. writing down a couple of ideas, or listening to a song that you would never listen to to help change your mindset. Mm -hmm. There is an action item every single day to help solidify the changing thought processes, which ultimately can lead to unlocking your own excellence. Wow. Okay. And it seems like you have had um, many of those, I guess, tasks from a young age. You said at 13 is when you began college. Did I hear that correctly? Yes. Wow. I used to be wicked smart. <laughs> wow. Well, that is, uh, yeah, interesting. So tell us more. I guess you went into a little bit of detail of how the book, you know, the idea for it, how, how long did it take you when you said you just, you know, ran and started brainstorming? How long did it take you to get everything out of your head and onto paper? So I joke that this book took 40 years to write, yeah. but six months because I spent 40 plus years accumulating the knowledge. I had that insight and then I sat down and wrote and I uh, adopted one of the things that James Clear talks about in habit stack in terms of doing the things every single morning, you know, just having this habit of writing at least two days of the year for the book every single day. So it ended up taking me about a thousand hours over six months to sit down and actually write the book. But as Ryan Holiday says, you know, you finish this book, it's this massive effort. It's like running a marathon and you cross the finish line and they bring you over to the side and they, you think you're give, getting your Mylar blanket and your medal. No, 
that's the start of the next race, which is the editing and the marketing, which is ongoing, and all these other components that are, in a lot of ways are actually more difficult than the writing because the writing is inspired. The writing is coming from us. The writing drives us. People who write have an innate need to do so. I have no innate need to figure out how to use Twitter. Right. But I have to because my message in the book is that important and I need to get it out to people. So learning about Twitter, putting together a YouTube channel, you know, following up with uh, conferences, uh, you know, getting a speaker's gig. All these things are the support components of taking care of your baby. It's like, you know, you spend nine months being pregnant, you have the kid, and then you got another 18 years worth of work on. Yeah. So that's the analogy. The other analogy on a book is you do all this stuff and, you know, the coming up with the idea for the book, the creating of the baby, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Then comes the hard work of carrying it. And then afterwards comes the stress and the anxiety and, you know, what's going on with things that are outside your control. I've got teenage sons and I can't tell you what the 15 year old's doing at nine o'clock at night most nights. And that concerns me a little bit, just like it concerns me when like the social media people that I hire to do stuff, you know, and it turns out that, oh, they're posting the, uh, the book in the United Arab Emirates and India because they can get more hits for a dollar. And it's like, but they're not going to buy the book. The goal is not eyeballs like it was with the dot-com era. It's not impressions. It's people buying book and getting checks. Good. So that leads us into another question that um, that I and our, our listeners, that the whole idea behind the show, right, is success with self-publishing. You have self-published and you've also been traditionally published. You just mentioned hiring your own social marketing team um, and, and basically their methods and how you sort of have control over what you tell them, right? So when it comes to traditional publishing versus self-publishing with the idea of creative control, like what, what have you seen in your experience that differentiates traditional versus self and what are the benefits of either side? Are you an Apple or a Google guy? Apple. Yeah. Okay. Apple has the closed walled garden. Apple has everything. You can't open up the phone. It's out of the box. It's ready to go. Mm -hmm. It's going to be more expensive. And in some ways you get what you get. That's traditional publishing. Okay. The You're going to get paid a lot less per book, but they're going to handle the marketing and they've got, teams and teams of people who do this. So supposedly they're going to do it really well, as long as they see the economic value. And that's one of the things that when people are trying to get their book deal, I mean, if you're not a former politician, former wrestler, current, you know, NBA champion or on TV, you're probably not going to get a lot of traction with big publishers because their job is to sell books and their, their job is to sell books in the easiest way possible. So somebody coming to the table with 15 million Twitter followers, they're going to give a book deal to, and they're going to throw resources behind because they can get a return on their investment. If you're coming in as you know Joe Schmo with 10,000 
uh, people that you know from speaking at conferences and being a subject matter expert, you're probably not going to get anything from them. Even if they promise you the world, they're going to ignore you. So it's going to come down to being on your head. So if you're going to go that way, you know, Apple's great, but you need to understand your limitations. Self-publishing is a lot more like Google. You have a lot of control over it. You can pull out your SIM card. You can upgrade. You can do all these other things. It's going to take more time and effort, but you also get a lot more control over the product and you could potentially have more revenue. You can build out these multiple different components and have them feed each other. You are going to ultimately have to do your marketing, but you can make it completely personalized. So I've got a YouTube channel that I started about a month ago where it's literally 90 second to two and a half minute videos of me either sitting here or me uh, right after I finish a run or whatever. And it's just Joe down to earth. Okay, I call it basically espresso shots of excellence because it's meant to be that quick hit. It's meant to be my personality. There is no filter on it. I've got a face made for radio and I play it up. So just being that way. And so, I mean, I'm I would probably I'd be a nightmare for the sensors at a regular uh, place. So there's a reason why I go do my own thing in a lot of ways. So this gives you control. It gives you the headaches that go with it. But if you've got a natural entrepreneur bent, going the self-published route makes a lot more sense. And one of the big things that I figured out way too late is you're not going to be an expert in everything. So go find other experts. Find writers who understand these certain things. Go find social media people. You know, tap into the different uh, ways of getting your message out there and look beyond the traditional stuff. So I'm involved with the Autism Society. And so one of the things that we've done is we've done multiple book signings at various restaurants and Irish places because I'm a member of the HR Hibernians where we'll come on in, we'll have a book signing, we'll get a piece of the uh, bar take as a charitable fundraiser. And uh, I can go and I can sell 20, 50, 75 books in an evening, have a grand old time, interact with a lot of people. I also end up getting followers for the, my Twitter account or for the Facebook channel, which means that they can continue to be influenced by me, even if they don't buy my book yet, it allows me to get my message out and eventually maybe they'll buy the book. Yeah. Yeah. See, everything that you've touched on is amazing. And they, those are the benefits, especially when you discussed at the, be, at the beginning there, if you have, you know, 15 million followers or something, yes, then a traditional publisher will give you a deal because they're going to tap into what you've already done. They're going to tap into the hard work that you've done. They know that you have 15 million followers. If 1% of those followers buy your book, they make their money back and then they, they continue to make additional money from your own efforts. So it's not traditional publishing is not the same as it was in the eighties and the nineties when you get, uh, you know, your own PR agent and they get you on Oprah and Ellen and sitting on talk shows. They don't put that kind of money into marketing anymore because, um, yeah, they're just not making that kind of money. There are so many different right. options. So. so, you know, it's all about me getting myself on podcasts, me getting myself yeah. on the radio. And so like um, I was on uh, Trucker Radio last week talking about anxiety and mental health. 
specifically for truckers, there was about 20,000 truckers across the United States and Canada listening to that program. Hmm. I found it on my own. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a couple of years ago, I got on the Jim Bohannon show to talk about uh, stuff. Uh, uh, a good tool I would recommend to everybody watching this is matchmaker.fm. Okay. It's a website where you can hook up with podcasts that might make sense. And in the past three months, I have burned roughly a hundred podcasts. I think that's actually how we met John Yeah, was through that. And so like I did a podcast this morning in the United Arab Emirates and I've been, I'm literally starting to build a map of all the places that I've done podcasts in because I have hit every country or every continent other than Antarctica at this point. And you're not sacrificing. (laughs) It's early. So it's uh, clear, um, you know, just a little, little bit of legwork. There are plenty of technological tools out there that make the legwork much easier than it used to be, but you don't need to sacrifice royalties or money or, or creative control of your book. You you trade time for money. So either you get the traditional deal and you're giving up a lot of money, Mm -hmm. but you have to, you know, basically earn your way in there or you sacrifice some of your time, whether it's your time sitting there sending messages out at seven o'clock in the morning while you're having your cup of coffee. Right. Or, you know, you hire your 15 year old kid and say, I'll give you chalky milk to yeah. do this. Yeah. That's a financial so, plan for another day that we'll discuss, but yeah. Hiring yeah. a 15 year old kid for the tax benefits is a, oh, a absolutely. great strategy. Yeah. <laughs> so other things is that you need to be consistent. This is one of the things when I'm in my regular business, I teach financial planners and other salespeople how to build introduction based uh, businesses and careers. And one of the things is you need to do the dials. You need to do the stuff consistently. You can have one great day where you work out for two hours and you eat salad and all that. But if you then don't work out for three weeks and you eat donuts and Oreos constantly, guess what? You're not going to get the overall effects. If you're going to send emails to potential uh, places for you to talk or podcasts or radio shows or whatever, you need to do it consistently. So every single week I send out at least 25 um, inquiries for a podcast. Hmm. Every single day I send out at least 20 emails or LinkedIn messages to organizations that could potentially buy my book in you know, groups of 10 to 100. So every single day I do that. And like it shows on the cover of the book, it's just like exercising every day or investing every single month. It pays dividends over time. And that's where you get that nonlinear growth curve. So when you start doing this, it's a grind. It might grind you down. And after a week, you're going to be like, why the hell am I doing this? I'm getting nothing from it. Have the faith, believe in the process, tweak your process as need be, but keep doing it. After a month, you can evaluate. You're probably still not seeing a lot but you should be starting to get a little bit of a taste of success and that, but keep doing it. And it's like pushing on the flywheel as Jim Collins talks yeah. about. Good to great. Just keep doing it and doing it, tweaking it so that you're doing it effectively and efficiently. And you know, you're, you're spending your time in the highest and best places, but keep doing it every single day. And then you're going to see the results over time. I love that. I love the idea of the book and yeah, you mentioned the flywheel. So question for you, when it comes to the book, um, what is 
either the greatest compliment that you've received or the greatest compliment that you wish to receive on the book? Like how, how can it best impact the reader? So there's two compliments that I've gotten on it that I really like. One, I have a guy, uh, he runs an investment firm. I've worked with him as a consultant for multiple years and we built a friendship and he got like, he was like one of the first people to buy the book when it was hot off the presses. And he started reading it and talked with me, called me up. We spent about 15 minutes on the phone and he kept reading. And then three weeks later, he calls me. He's like, so because of the book, because of the little pushes in there, I had this video game that I've been playing around building. And I ended up getting it to the point where it was an MVP, a minimum viable product. And I published it. Here's the link. And it's 100% because of the little pushes from you. So that was a really, really cool thing. Yeah, I imagine. Uh, but the best compliment that I got is the former head of psychiatry at one of the big medical um, chains up where I am, one of the big hospitals, who has been reading it. And she told me that this is the best non-psychology psychology book she has ever seen. That there is so much hidden just beneath the surface on here that people want to really go in depth, they can. But it is written in such a, I don't want to say lighthearted, but easy to read and practical manner that it's going to be able to have impact that it would take her multiple sessions with the clients to be able to have. And this is a very cost effective and convenient way to be able to reach millions and millions of people potentially because wow. we do have a massive mental health crisis. On the yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, congrats. I mean, that's that's excellent um, critique or you know compliment on your book. Congratulations. So, where can Thank people you. find your book, and where can they find more about you? So they can buy the book on Amazon. Obviously, uh, make sure you buy the white cover copy, not the green cover, because that's the old edition. For some reason, they haven't taken it down yet. Uh, but if you get the Kindle, it's actually the most cost-effective way to do it. I read a ton of books on Kindle. I'm a huge fan of it. They can buy the hardcover or softcover there, or they can get it from my website, which is everyday-excellence.com. That's everyday-excellence.com. I'd recommend that they go to the website anyway, because every single day I put up a microblog, so uh, you know, a one-minute quick read to help people out. Uh, we're putting the YouTube link up there. So every day, the new YouTube uh, Express so of Excellence will be up there. Um, podcasts, so this one will be able to be found there. So that's a really good environment to just continually foster your own personal excellence, even if you don't go and purchase the book. Excellent. Well, thank you for that reference. Um, you know, thank you for being on the show. Congrats for on your success with the book and the compliments you've received on it. Um, you know, again, congrats. Thank you for being on the show, Joe. We appreciate it. John, thank you for giving me the opportunity to further your mission, helping people out here. Thank Be you. excellent and grow today. Excellent. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for listening to this episode of Self-Published Success. 
we encourage you to put the tips and tricks you've discovered in this episode to use in your own author strategy. Please feel free to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on your preferred listening platform. Until next time, continue chasing your vision of authorship success.